Hello there. Good evening and welcome. This is Strong and Sassy in your superstation Joy 99.7 FM. I hope you're good. It's been a good day, hasn't it? We thank God for his mercies always. My name is Enimwa Enim Ado and I'm on with you until about 7.50 when um, the football guys kind of just take over the studio. So definitely stay tuned in. And tonight we're talking about thriving in the entrepreneurial space. So we've been talking about women in charge, women on top, women in the spaces that um, usually are dominated by men and what it's like navigating that space. So tonight we're talking about the entrepreneurial space. And for the first time on Strong and Sassy, uh, my guest is, she's she's also called Reverend, um, but maybe I'm not going to start with the Reverend. So um, <laughs> she's the CEO for Nutri Health Foods and Beverages, Boahima in team reverend let me just add it because it is what it is <laughs> hi good evening and welcome evening anymore how are you doing i'm very well it's good to see you good to see you thank too. you so much for joining us today so um, let's, we're going to dive straight into the conversation. And um, I, I want to start by finding out, I mean, why did you decide of all things to, to go into your own business? Ooh. Um, I, I don't know whether to call it a decision, but for me, it has, it has always been what I wanted to do. Um, even though I... I decided after school to work in a formal corporate environment that there was always my desire to, to go into something that I would do for myself so I think it wasn't a decision it always been there and and that's what I eventually did okay so what was the journey like moving from corporate into the entrepreneurial space um for me I think it was quite seamless because it, it wasn't like a jump. Um, it was something I, I had intentions to do for a while. So all the time I was working, it was always at the back of my mind that uh, it, I was going to go out at a point. Um, the point was the challenge because, you know, um, I, I was working in a bank then, and typically the bank will pay you bonus in March. And so, um, when I make the decision that, oh, I'm leaving at the end of the year, um, the next thing you know, you're waiting for the bonus and then March comes around and exactly. you are still there and it becomes, okay, let me just wait till the end of the year again, you know, but it got to a point when I, I, I just didn't think I wanted to go on because I had already started certain businesses on the side and they needed my attention. So... I just had to leave at that point. So, you know, I have a few friends who want to um, kind of come out of the the structured work workplace, as it were, and go into their own businesses. But they all talk about a certain fear um, for, from, you know, withdrawing from that space where you know that on the 28th you're going to get a check, you know, knowing that um, maybe your health insurance is covered and all of that. 
I, I really want you to, to, to tell us what that feeling is like and how you overcame it. I, I think um, I've always been very pragmatic about things. Um, for me, it was, I, I, I somehow had the, the, the perception that nothing was, was secure. Um, th there was nothing like a safety net wherever you were working, okay. no matter who you were working for. Um, in the bank, it was very common to find people lose their jobs for errors they may have committed or some situations they got themselves into. Or the, the bank could even fail. Or sometimes there were mergers and acquisitions and you realize you don't fit in or you don't have a job. So. Um, I, I think for me, the fear was more um, in terms of my financial um, state. Assuming I didn't have a job for six months, would I be able to survive? That okay. was more the fear for me. And, okay. and, and anytime I looked at my salary and I looked at um, how many hours I put in uh, and I divided that by the number of hours I was working, I didn't think it was worth the value that was was being generated because at the end of the day in the bank you would have you'll be driving a car but it will be a loan from the bank and um, you probably will be, be living in your own home i mean but it will still be a loan a mortgage from the bank and so when you strip all that away there's nothing to your name and that for me was more fearful than taking a plunge to say um let me let me take this plunge and risk it and um, I, I could double or triple or quadruple um, what I am making now. And that for me provides me more security and safety than working in the bank. Because I kept asking myself, um, how many years am I going to be here before I become a managing director? <laughs> the likelihood was very far away. So, yeah. <laughs> and if, if that wasn't going to happen anytime soon, mm. then th there was really no point. It, it would be worth the risk. So, I would say I didn't have that fear. My fear was more, um, what would I do in, in the events that I lost my job or in the events that I fell sick and could not work for six okay. months. And that, that, that alone pushed me to take a risk and move. So did you like save up before you, you, you quit? Was there, did you have a specific amount of money you needed to have in the bank? I'm like, what, what was the plan? Um, like like I said to you earlier, I, I have always um, done stuff on the side, even when I was in formal employment, because um, I, I didn't think, um, I was very young then, and, and, and I always told the, the team I, I mentored or uh, my staff that as a very young person without much responsibility in terms of children and all of that, if um, you are, your weekend you spend sleeping, then there's something wrong with you. Or you close from work and there's nothing to do but to hang out with friends, there's something wrong with you. Okay. Um, or you take your annual leave and, and you don't have anything to do. Um, because th there would come a time that you, you won't have that luxury mm. because there will be a lot of responsibility. So um, I, I always felt that in my spare time, in my extra time, I could do work. I could do other things. So before I left, I had other businesses that um, I had started. Okay. Uh, and so um, I, I wouldn't say I had saved money, but 
I would say that I had um, other sources of income um, that I could rely on in the event that uh, my salary wasn't coming through. Okay. So, yes, it's very important that there's always a backup or a plan B before you take the plunge. Okay. So, you make by far the tastiest teas that I have ever drank in my life. Except oh, El, except you. El Grey, which you don't make. Um, but yeah. And I think I think I've mentioned that my favorite my favorite is the hibiscus cinnamon and then the hibiscus okay. um, lemongrass. But the thing is, why tea though? Because but I think well, very soon we are going into black teas and we'll okay. beat El Grey. Oh, I can't yes. wait! I can't wait! I cannot wait because I love El Grey. But why tea? Yeah. How did you decide that you know this is what I'm going to do? Um, I have done tea almost started like a hobby business. Okay. Um, I've done a lot of other uh, projects. I'm still doing a lot of other uh, businesses and projects. And so um, the tea for me started um, during COVID. I, I'm, I'm a tea. I, I love tea. I okay. love coffee. I love tea. And I've always been fascinated by um beyond i think for me beyond the tea i've always been fascinated with branding and the, the ability to take something almost nothing and create a brand um and, and an international brand out of it so okay. that for me was the challenge and i've had the, i had had the opportunity to um sample a lot of teas um packaging i mean tea for tea i mean they come up with so many things and their creativity you know um the, the 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 designs the packaging the accessories they all fascinated me so um i thought i would also venture into it the challenge was also another thing because i remember when i was going into this as a commercial venture the the feedback i would always get is, oh ghana we don't drink tea i mean people don't drink tea uh, and it's, it's not our culture to drink tea mm. but i differed a bit because um, what we drank, we drank something. We just didn't call it tea. I mean, growing up, your grandmother would have, or your mother would have a pot that is filled with all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, herbs and all of that. And and when you're sick, you drink. And when you have a fever, you drink. When, when you, have you have a cold, have constipation, yeah. you drink. <laughs> you know, we, we just didn't call it tea. Yeah. So we have been drinking. And, and, and so for me, it was just translating that concept um, into a form that is, appealing to the younger generation or to the new uh, Ghanaian uh, and, and, and th that's what we did. We just took what has already all, always existed in a certain form and, and put it in a package and, and put it in a way that is appealing and, 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 and people are drinking mm. and we still see the growth coming. I mean, we haven't reached any, anywhere yet, but we see that coming. Um, right. But for me, the dream is bigger. We want to tell the story of Africa with our teas so um when you drink our teas we we would use herbs spices that are local to ghana or to our neighboring african countries and um, the dream is that we would represent every african country and, and the teas that they make the form that they call it and put it in a package so that one day very soon you you walk into our shops and you would find a, a bit of africa um and so everywhere you go story of africa in our teens so yeah. that that's the dream for me and the challenge so i think it goes beyond just tea okay um it, it's always been the challenge the excitement to create a brand 
um, an international brand out of nothing. How important is it to have a clear vision when you're starting out I mean, a business? Because you, you meet people who have started a business, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, we are doing this, we're doing this. But there doesn't seem to be like a very clear vision or a strategy for, for the success of the business. So for you, how important would you say that it is to have that written down or, you know, step-by-step -step strategy? I, I think it's the most important. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a, 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 a verbose document, business plan that you never look through. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be um, a huge document that somebody writes for you. But it's crucial that you know where you are going in the next 10 years, for example. Um, that long-term view helps you to build foundations even in its, in its infant stages. Okay, and I'll give you an example. If, if you are developing a brand that you believe will go global, mm. then even at the starting point, you are very mindful of, of the name you choose for that brand, of the, the, the kind of packaging that you put that product in. Um, you, you would want to understand what it means or what it would take to get onto the, the world markets and in shops and so on. Um, it may not happen in the next five years or it may not happen in the next six years, but that is the goal. Mm. And so excellence begins to drive everything that you're doing because you have a vision. Um, and that also feeds into your customer service. It feeds into your, your financial planning. It feeds into everything. You know, So having the goal, um, the long-term goal is very, 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 very crucial. It's very important. It's number one. Um, if you can't do a, a, a full document, at least write it some way. Um, and, and then because I'm a pastor, I have to add that the prophet says that when you have the vision, write it, write it on the wall <laughs> and put it there so yeah. that you would see it every day and it would drive you to, to where you want to go. Without that, it's, it's almost impossible to have a good strategy on how or where you're going. Hmm. So, I mean, how how difficult would you say the journey has been? Um, the journey on the teas, right? The, yeah, the journey on, on, I mean, all your businesses. So like, you know, doing stuff for your for yourself. Okay, okay. Uh, I think every entrepreneur will tell you that it, it's not an easy journey. It is not. Um, and, and it is not unique to Ghana, but mm. it is exceptionally, um, I think it's a bit more difficult in Ghana because um, we, we, we don't have the structures that support um, entrepreneurs and startups. Um, and, and all these, it runs across from financing to um, access to information to everything. We, we don't have, so you almost um, have to work blind or hit your head against all sorts of things before you can find your way. Um, and, and then again, because we don't have anything supporting us, not government support, not um, rebates, nothing, you know, so you have to basically fight your way through and compete with the rest of the world in, in places where they are getting support mm -hmm. and, and getting access to funding at much lower rates and so on and training and capacity building and staffing issues. Staffing is one of the most difficult, you know, because... I, 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 I think there's all, there's some disconnect between um, education and industry. And so somebody says, I'm a graduate, but you the, you assign the work and it's challenging. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and then also um, the, 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 the 
ability to get people to think. I mean, mm. our system um, doesn't do a, a, an amazing job of that. We, we get people that will, you know, um, learn by root and come into the workplace and expect to be guided and handheld. And, and that's challenging mm. as, an, as an entrepreneur. So all these things don't make it very easy. But um, I also quickly add that those are the same things that create opportunities for us okay. as entrepreneurs. In other places where the systems are much more um, enhanced, the opportunities are a lot more difficult to come mm. by as well. So well, we take the good and the bad. And yeah, and make it work. But I, I want exactly. to, to talk about soft skills now. I mean, we're not really a society that focuses on soft skills. Um, you yeah. know, we're very um, degree driven. But yeah. as an entrepreneur, and I mean, when you look at the um, the 2023 list of soft skills that are of skills that are needed, you realize that there's actually a lot more um, soft skills than the actual um, professional, you know, stuff. So if yeah. somebody wants to go into entrepreneurship, what are some of the soft skills that they have to develop in addition to the education that they have or the training that they have in the sector that they're looking to go into? I think for when it comes to entrepreneurship, I mean, the, the sector, the, the sector or the training, the technical training you have um, is it, not really what will get you there. Mm. No. Um, because if, if you are an entrepreneur and you are, you are really, you have your goal, your vision, your drive, you can actually go into a business where you have very little technical training, mm. but you can acquire the resources to do what you want to do. Okay. And so uh, soft skills is everything. Um, I'm sure you know I, I'm doing a lot of work also in AI. Yeah. Um, I work with Coral Reef and we are doing a lot of um, work sensitizing people on, on what AI is coming to do and, and why it's even more crucial that you develop soft skills or skills that and the machine will not be able to do. Yeah, um, you're replaceable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You are <laughs> yeah. very replaceable. So now we are shifting to skills that um, rely a lot more on your, your innovation, your creativity, your um, inclusivity, diversity, being able to work with diverse people, your teamwork, um, your ability to create your goal and all of that because um, even in the presence of AI, even with AI, uh, you want to use a tool, you have to know exactly what you want to do yeah. before you can get out the tool to work for you. So having that vision, you know, design thinking, um, team spirit, ability to work with other people, collaboration, Emotional um, and all of that is, is so important. Yeah. Very important. Your networking, you know, everything that we do. I mean, talking to you today, um, I should, at the back of my mind, be thinking, how do I build a long-term network with you? Mm. I mean, in the light of all that I do. So I, I think it, it's a very important area for every entrepreneur to look at. Um, it is not your 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 knowledge of the technical skill. I did a first degree finance. I did MBA finance. I never worked with it for a day. <laughs> um so uh, if you ask me today why I did it, I don't even know. Mm. I, I just think my, my parents wanted me to go to business school. So I went to business school. Uh, I, I didn't have a clue what right. I was going to do with the finance. <laughs> right. you know, so, but regardless, that also has enabled me to understand mm -hmm. everything my accountant or my finance manager would give me. 
Okay, so the ability, the attitude, the desire to know, the learning, the relearning. I mean, and with AI, for example, it's really dependent on how aggressive you are in wanting to know. Okay. And, um, if you don't have that innate desire to learn and relearn and unlearn, then you, you still won't get very far as an entrepreneur. You mm. can't be steeped in your ways. You can't be, uh, you know, in a box and, and, and succeed as, as an entrepreneur. You have to constantly be flexible and keep changing and adapting. So, yes, I think soft skills is the way to go. Does personality to, matter? Must have it. Yes. Does personality matter when, when, you, when you're deciding on becoming an entrepreneur? When you say personality, what exactly are you alluding So, I mean, if, for example, you're a quietish in your shell person, I mean, are there, when, when you decide that, okay, I want to do my own business, do you have to be realistic about who you are in terms of what, which parts of yourself you're willing to put out there to be successful? I, I honestly don't think so. Okay. Um, because I have seen people thrive, all sorts of different people thrive, um in, in business some can be very quiet and don't want to be in front some can be very bubbly and want to be in front all the terms they use the choleric the family whatever <laughs> I, I i don't think it's dependent on that it's really also a function of which kind of business you want to do okay um if you want to set up a business that doesn't interface with a lot of people then there's no need um for you to be a people person okay um even if you are not a people person and you are a good entrepreneur and you're a good leader, you can acquire this, you can hire people to do the work that you cannot do. Okay. So the entrepreneur is more the person that is able to bring all the resources together um, for them to become productive. So I don't think um, personality actually matters. What matters more is your attitude and mindset. Okay. Those are crucial. Attitude because, and mindset. Yes, your attitude and your mindset. Yes. Okay. What are some of the most difficult parts of being an entrepreneur, working for yourself? I think for me, the most difficult parts are sometimes it can get very lonely. Okay. Um, and, and, and lonely in the sense that you are always hit with the with the, the reality of the fact that when it comes to the crunch, um, all your staff can leave. Mm. All your unless you are giving them some shares in your business and they are stakeholders. Okay. Um, if there's the, the business doesn't do well, um, they, they don't they don't they don't participate in that. Um, so. A lot of the time, as a business person, you you are hoping that people will be loyal to their business, but you can't bind them to the business. Mm. So um, there's always that at the back of your mind. And then when people leave um, at very crucial times or when you have invested so much in them and you are hoping that they are going to be there for the long haul and they leave, it, it, I think it's one of the most difficult situations every entrepreneur has to deal with mm. because it puts you in a very difficult situation uh, regarding employees you go all out do you what do you do how do you keep them loyal okay and, and what do you do to get them committed and have the same kind of passion that you have as an entrepreneur it's easy to say oh make them stakeholders but 
um, when the business is a startup and you don't even know where you are going, you, you can't bring people on as stakeholders, as stakeholders or shareholders, yeah. you know, um, just sweat shareholders because you are looking to raise money and all of that and you would need to give off shares and all. So it's not it's not easy. I think that for me, the most challenging part of um, being an entrepreneur is the human being, the human resource and how you get committed um, committed team to to work with you the long haul. I think it's the most most difficult one. Do we have work ethic issues here in Ghana? Because a lot of people that I speak to who are entrepreneurs are always talking about the fact that when they're recruiting people, they 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 almost feel the need to try to make them feel like they are a part of the business or you know there's the chance to become a part owner it's almost as if just being hired to do a job and getting paid is not incentive enough to have you know people who are working for you who are doing what they're supposed to be doing is that a work ethic problem that we have here in ghana generally or is it just with startups i mean like what what exactly is the problem do you think uh, I, I think um, I, I, I hate to always make um, blanket statements um, because there are always several sides to any of these challenges. Um, on one hand, you have a lot of people that start off very well as staff and mm. then in the middle they begin to have all sorts of entitlement um, mentality regarding the business, I mean, they, they suddenly begin to think they have to have a stake in the business. Um, but you also do have a situation where um, if you have very good staff, then the employer must also have systems and structures and, and, and enough motivation for those people to want to stay. Okay. I think it's important. And, and um, depending on the kind of business or the age of the business or the nature of the business, um, it's a conversation that you would want to have with your very good staff. Um, it shouldn't be um, for everybody, especially in private business. We we are not able to do um, the mebaha chair or the you know <laughs> everybody is getting the same thing kind of situation. No, you have to have a very good system which um, teases out the good people and and, and have a, a plan or a structure to get them to stay long term. Yeah. Um, do we always succeed? No, because um, a lot of the time you are not even sure what people want. Um, a lot of the time you, you as the, the, the business owner, you believe that you have a dream and you want to motivate your people to stay and you see a future uh, and you see how they can grow and become, mm. but they don't see that in themselves. Yeah. And so it's difficult to let them want something or dream for something that they themselves, they, they themselves yeah. do not see themselves that. getting. Exactly. So it's, it's always difficult. I have been lucky with um, NutriHealth, my company. I have a very good team, very small but very good team. And right from the get-go, I, I, I made them understand that um, maybe a lot of people don't know this, but even in entrepreneurship, there are all there are classes of all types not every business starter is a good business manager no um so a lot of us that are, are uh, graced to be creative and innovative and you know we get very bored easily with 
mundane work or once the business picks up and it is not as challenging and exciting, mm. you want to move on to yeah. something else. So we don't end up being very good managers. And that is a problem. The entrepreneur, the business startup feels that I started the business, so I must manage the business. It's not always so. So right from the get-go, I made them understand that I would at a point want to exit and leave the business for them to run, which means they, they will become part owners at a point. Mm. And so that has worked for me. And I see the commitment, I see the passion with which they are working. And, and, and truly, um, at a point, it will get very boring for me and I want to go and do something else because that is what I want to do. That is mm. how um, I, I've been, my uh, nature is. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's important that the business owners also define clearly where they fit on the entrepreneurship um, chain or entrepreneurship uh, line or whatever. Mm. Um, you can be a good starter. You can be uh, a good manager. You can be, but you have to define where you are and, yeah. and find the right people that in the event where you want to move on, um, they feel that they have earned the right to become partners or shareholders or whatever it is that you want them to be. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I How about support systems? How, how important is a support system? What kind of support system did you have? My support system, um, I wouldn't say, I think sometimes we confuse the support system with family. Yeah. So a lot of the time when I've been asked this question, that what they, they end with is, oh, how has your husband <laughs> helped you or contributed <laughs> yeah. and yeah. all of that. It, 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 your support system doesn't necessarily have to be your, your family. nuclear family. It isn't always. I, yeah. I have um, very good, good I, I would call them mentees. Um, or people have mentored over the years or people that are in my church or ministry or people that have I have long-term relationships with that have been very supportive yeah extremely supportive I mean I, I would I could have mentioned names but there's one company for example I have known her since I was doing national service you know we used to work in Maasai developers at the time together and she started her own business and she consistently makes sure that she's giving me orders for the tea to brand for her company and so on. And, and those are the tangible support systems that I need. I, I don't need somebody just sending me, um, oh, how are you doing? Um, oh, are you tired? No, no, no. I mean, that, that doesn't help me <laughs> anyway. I, yeah. I need tangible support systems. Yeah. And these are some of the ways that I believe um, people should support entrepreneurs and startups we, we don't just need words of motivation mm. um we need tangible referrals support. So, and, and recommendations and exactly yeah. recommendation um ordering yourself ordering for friends i mean those things go a long way and i think in terms of that i have had very good support because um i, I didn't have money to do a lot of the advertising that i should have done you know but so organically we have grown because there are people who support me. There are mm. friends who would give recommendation or order for their companies. Or, you know, some of them work in banks and they, they, anytime there's an opportunity, they'll give me a call and say, bring some of your tea and all of that. So I think that in that sense, I have had amazing, amazing support. Um, in terms of my nuclear family, they, they've always known me to be, 
you know, always in one thing or another. So I'm sure they're even tired of me by now. But they are tired they, of the difference. Today is this, tomorrow is that, tomorrow, tomorrow is that. I was, I mean, I was going to ask about family. A lot of times when we speak to women, um, family yeah. does play a big role. Um, the balancing, especially of family and children and all of that, um, which is funny because when you speak to men, it hardly ever comes up, you know, that, that family work balance. But how have you maintained the balance and what kind of advice would you give um, to young women who are starting out, who also want to have a family, have children and I guess have it all? Anyway, you know something. I I think yeah, me. I don't I don't think I agree with a lot of these things. And and I'm sure there will be arguments in, in that respect. I I think all this boils down to um, how you want to structure your your journey and your business. Um, because I I maybe because of how I have had um, support for my family, I, I wouldn't say. You see, in life, there's nothing like balance. Something always has to give. <laughs> okay. Something always has okay. to give. So, um, there, there, there's always one way something is tilting in favor of something, That's you true. know, at a certain That's point true. in yeah. time. But I think that what I have been able to do, such that I haven't had any challenges whatsoever regarding family balancing and all of that, I, I, I am very pragmatic. I decide what I can do and what I cannot do. Okay. So if I I, I don't, um, and everybody should forgive me, I don't watch, I, I have somebody who, because I look at the time I would use to wash, and if I am paying somebody to wash, it's way cheaper than me washing. Yeah, time-wise. Okay. Not even money-wise, but time-wise. Yeah. And, 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 and forgive me, but I have to give props to a company like Dija. I, it's 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 heaven for me. I I don't go to the market. All I do is send my list, wow. and they will go to the market and they will clean it. They will pack it and they will bring it to me. I love to cook, so I would cook. Okay, all these things save you time and mm. money. I'm not a superwoman. Okay, I don't try to be one. Okay, so a lot of the women entrepreneurs are trying to juggle all sorts of things, you know, and that creates a lot of stress. And then they are challenged and then they'll say the men are cheating us. No, you would have to plan. You would have to do things that you can do and outsource the ones that you cannot do. You would have to be able to delegate, even in the workplace, things that are not too confidential or strategic. Learn to delegate. You can't do, I know women businesses that they are doing the production, they are doing the marketing, they are doing the, you would burn out and then you would complain that your family is suffering. Nutri Health doesn't market its own products. We have a partner company, a marketing company that we have sourced our marketing to because I don't have the energy and the strength for mm. that. Mm. You get it. Yes, so I, do. I think it is more as training the women to understand what it takes to run a business. Mm. You don't have to do everything by yourself. And when you do that, it frees you time to be able to manage your home and manage your other uh, activities that make you sane. You know, because when you burn out, everything else suffers. Yeah. So I don't think it's a challenge. I rather think it is women that have to sit and clearly define um, what their roles are, what they can do, what they cannot do, what their partners are willing for them to do and not to do. I mean, 
I I I I I I I I cringe when I hear the men that say they don't eat food in a fridge in this day and age. I mean, <laughs> like you don't eat food in a fridge, Cesse. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and so if you have a husband like that, that is a unique challenge. Yeah, because you and, have to and cook you every have day. to find a way around it. Mm. Okay, but I'm blessed to have somebody who understands. I mean, that fridge is fridge, and we all eat food from the fridge. And so, if there's food in the fridge, it's still good food. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's also balancing all these things and planning properly, and, and making sure that the things that are mundane that take your time that can be outsourced, it is outsourced. Mm. And, and, and you, you pay for that, you pay for that service. You realize that what you'll be making back in terms of the time release is way more than what you'd be paying anybody. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I so think sometimes that the problem- has been my strategy to, to, to work around this. And, and I completely agree with you. I think it's a fantastic strategy. The problem I am, I've encountered with other people is the fact that they are partners are very steeped in the expectation of certain traditional roles being fulfilled. So yeah. if my wife is not the one cooking or if she's not the one taking care of the children or if she's not the one um, who is doing this or who is doing that or when you're bringing somebody into the home to help, then there's the threat of, well, if there's another woman walking around, then, you know, and, and so it makes it difficult how do you deal with situations like that? I mean, obviously, apart from having these very important conversations before you make the decision to tie yourself to someone, but how you do you... make the decision already. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you've made it yeah, already, what do you I do? I think um, those are challenging issues. Um, I, I don't even know where they originate. I, I think for starters, um, if... if you don't trust somebody in your home um, because the person may take your husband, then you have a big problem. Mm. I, I don't know whether you'll be following the husband to work. Oh, everywhere he goes then, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that, that's really, it's, it's really, a, it's something that the woman has to deal with and, and let go and release. And in that case, then maybe that person would have to have somebody who doesn't stay in the house, mm. but will come and go. Um, personally, I believe that um, food that my, my husband is going to eat, I want to be sure of what he's, he's eating. So okay. I would prefer to make that. Okay. Um, but I also plan a lot. So I, I pre-prep a lot of my meals. Okay. So that when I wake up in the morning I, and I have to make food for him to take to work, okay. I'm not now going to make soup from the get-go. Okay. I, I, I've already done that the evening before or a okay. week before and so on. So it also comes down to the planning. Um, as for the trust issues, uh, they need Jesus on that one because <laughs> if, if, if you do it at home, you will do it outside. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. doesn't solve any problem. Um, and so, but, but in terms of the traditional um, role that or nature of some men mm. regarding home issues and all of that i think it's it requires a lot of wisdom and also your ability to up your negotiation skills okay um, i think a lot of the time women are very emotional okay and so um instead of developing uh, arguments from a point of 
you know, facts and logic and, and you know, across clock, akra and lobbying, kakra. And we tend to be very emotional and say that he won't let me do this and so that's it. And then we start I, crying. I uh, and we start crying yeah. and, and it doesn't help it. I think um, some conversations take a while to get to the point where they have to get to. Start mm. the conversations. Yeah. Okay, maybe they won't agree from day one. But as you begin to build your case more logically and without emotion and all of that, gradually you can turn them around. And of course, with your prayer and a lot of wisdom. I um, find but if you are now getting married, mm, then you have to ask the right questions. The right, exactly. I find it so interesting yeah. that um, you are talking about women learning how to approach conversations with logic and reasoning yeah. and then obviously yeah. that crow crow and the lobbying and all of that but you know as women we're not taught we're we're almost like sort of nurtured in defaults that we're emotion we're, we're emotional so we're not yeah. taught to develop how to even logicalize the emotions because i find that when i'm having a conversation yeah. with someone and i can talk to them about the science behind the emotions i appear to be more logical about the emotions therefore exactly. if you're communicating with a man then they're, they're more willing to listen um but i wish we would yeah. have more conversations like that where Say we're telling women this, yeah. you know that be logical in in your it, it, it doesn't re anything else doesn't really work i mm. mean to be honest yeah. so yeah so i yeah. mean thank you for that that and, was and a really good time point. i'm training um um i do quite a bit of training for the banks and other institutions um on sales and one of the areas that i love to focus a lot on is negotiation skills mm. um once you you acquire the skill to negotiate at the in the workspace you, you bring it home yeah you bring it home and and sometimes in a negotiation it, you don't finish in one sitting no you don't and um, when you realize that it's getting emotional you cut it off you revisit it at another point sometimes you have to give make certain concessions um so that other concessions can be given to you and so on nobody goes into a negotiation process with emotion you, you've lost already yeah, yeah. And, and i think women need to build that capacity to i think we should do a show on the art of negotiation just for 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 women so that we can i think i think i think we should definitely do that in yeah, the next few weeks to to really teach women how to not to win but how to to put their points yeah. across in a way that that is logical and that that is more heard exactly exactly because sometimes in the negotiation nobody really wins or loses yeah and um, yeah. everybody makes some concessions and then so, we, we get um, some it could be that he may not agree that somebody should make my food but he will agree that somebody should clean the house yeah yeah or somebody to come and iron their face or when you put the food in the freezer, somebody can warm it for him. If exactly, you're not home, so. exactly, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> something you know, like all that. All sorts of things that we, we have to do. I mean, as for my husband, when the food is in the fridge, he decides that there's no food. So, so <laughs> <laughs> what we have agreed is that I put it in a warmer in the place where it's visible, and, okay. and I go and sleep. Fair enough. Okay, so when he comes, he sees the food. So okay. I mean, it's a gradual it's thing. A so gradual. You have to <laughs> <your way>. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Sometimes you tell me there's no food in this house, and they are all meanwhile the food, food is in the, the fridge. Like, it's full, but I mean, there's no food there's as long no as food. it's not wow. in the open space. What an know, amazing so. blessing of God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, we're out of time. We're we're switching to oh, football. So soon. Yes, we've done almost an hour. 
but but it's been so great talking to you. Um, Reverend Bahima in Tim, she's a CEO for Nutri Health Foods and Beverages. If you've ever tried any of her teas, um, then you know that's absolutely fantastic. And you can find them almost anywhere. I've seen them um, in shell shops and in um, most of the major supermarkets. You know, really nice. So so look out for it. Um, she'll be joining us a lot more as the days come. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Thank you. You are so grateful. For. Next Thank time you. I'll come to the studio. Yes, please. For especially for our show, The Art of Negotiation. Yes. I'm really looking yes. forward yes. to that. Thank you I'll so come. much. Thank you Thank so, you so, so much. And thank you to you for staying tuned in to Strong and Sassy. My name is Enimwa Enimado. I can smell Gary Al Smith somewhere around here. So some exciting football coming up right after this. Don't go anywhere.